welcome you to a brand new series that we're starting today. Um, this is our Christmas series, and uh, we're going to call it Never Alone, Never Alone. And um, the reason for the name of the series is um, this time of the year can be a little bit challenging for a lot of people. It can be a, a difficult season. Um, you may have lost a loved one, and uh, you, um, you know, it's... It's the holidays, you uh, remember them, you feel at times, you may feel alone, uh, you may have moved away from family, or family may have moved away from you, and you miss them, you love them, you think about them. Uh, you may, uh, I, I don't know, there may be something that, ha that, has, transcri uh, that has happened this, this year that's really hurt your, your, um, your feelings, your emotions, that you're wrestling with, I don't know if it's relationally or financially, um, and, uh, and it's, it's a challenging time of the year because you're supposed to be celebrating, right? Like we just had Thanksgiving, now Christmas is coming up, but if you've gone through something difficult, maybe a divorce or whatnot, um, you may just not feel like celebrating. You may not feel like it's, a, it's that time for you and everybody, you know, it's like kind of culturally what you're supposed to do. You're supposed to be celebrating. You're supposed to be, be happy, and uh, but you feel guilty because you you that's not where you're at, and uh, and it becomes a vicious cycle, right? And so this time of the year for many people can be a tough time. You're thinking about finances. How are we going to buy gifts for the kids? How are we going to you know put food on the table and provide for the family? It may be difficult. Uh, emotionally, uh, a lot of people deal with with um, fear and confusion about their careers or their future or what you know what will 2023 hold for me and you just uh, the fear of the unknown and it's a, it can be a very strange, very difficult season for a lot of us and so let me tell you what what we're going to do for the next four weeks in this series okay let me kind of um, give you a heads up of where where we are we are going we're going to be the Christmas, this, this teaching series, our Christmas series, we're going to be in Luke chapter 1 and Luke chapter 2. And there are several stories there. There's like three or four stories that we're going to look at. And uh, week one, which is today, um, you're never alone in the deepest of needs. Okay, that's today. Week two, you're never alone in your fear and confusion. You're never alone in your fear and confusion. Week three, you're never alone in the strangest of seasons. Then the last week, week four, is going to be our Christmas Eve service, our candlelight service on the 24th at 6 p.m. We're only having one service. Um, just, just know it's going to be a packed house. And so I, if I was you, I'd show up a little bit early that day. But I cannot wait to celebrate with you Christmas Eve candlelight service on the 24th. And we're going to wrap up the series with You're Never Alone When You Face the Unexpected. When You Face the Unexpected. All right, so if you have your Bibles uh, or your phones, your tablets, turn to Luke chapter 1, verse 1, and I'm reading from the New Living Translation, okay? If by any chance you forgot your phones, which I doubt it, but if you forgot your Bibles um, and, uh, or you don't have the Bible app downloaded, most of the verses will be on the screen, so... Never fear. Let's, let's begin with verse 1, okay? This is the author, it's Luke, so he's the one that's, that's speaking. He says, Many people have set out to write accounts, accounts, plural. Many people have set out to write accounts, more than one, 
about the events that have been fulfilled among us. They used the eyewitness reports. What's an eyewitness report? Well, it's like when, you, when somebody saw something, okay? So that this is evidence, like people who were there, okay? This is not like a story that, some, that you heard from somebody else. No, these are people who were there. They have used the eyewitness reports circulating among us from the early disciples. Now, Luke's gospel, in case you're wondering, is a grand journey in the footsteps of Jesus, Okay, that's like, if I summarize, like, what's this gospel about? Well, he's following the steps of Jesus. That's what he's doing. And he says, in verse 3, he says, watch this. Carefully, or having carefully investigated everything from the beginning. Okay, so he's done some research. Okay, like, this is not, um, like, this is, he's really taken some time to think, uh, you know, um, thoroughly about this. Having carefully investigated everything from the beginning, I also have decided to write, and look at that word, an accurate account. Now, if you don't know this, or maybe you know it, but let me just remind you, Luke, do you remember what his profession is? He is a doctor. So as a doctor, he's very detail-oriented, okay? Some of you are very detail-oriented, okay? So he's going to, he, when he writes, he's, very, he's a very meticulous writer, and his goal, he tells us right off the bat, he's given us, he's preparing us uh, a careful account of Jesus' time on earth. And so before he begins to tell us the story of Jesus, he's going to give us a couple of stories that happen right before his birth, right before Jesus is born. And today we're going to look at one of those stories. So it begins, his, the story that he tells right before Jesus' birth is in verse 5. Okay, let's look at it. Here's a, the story that he tells. One of three or four, I can't remember, I think it was like three or four in chapter one. If he says this, when Herod was king of Judea, there was a Jewish priest named Zechariah. Everybody say Zechariah. Awesome, okay? He was a member of the priestly order of Abijah, and his wife, Elizabeth, everybody say Elizabeth was also from the priestly line of Aaron. Zechariah and Elizabeth, watch this key verse, okay, kind of giving you a heads up. Verse 6 is one of our key verses for the day. Zechariah and Elizabeth were righteous in God's eyes. Man, that's a pretty cool thing to say about anybody, right? Like if, if that's how you define another human being, like, yeah, you can give me that title. You can give me, put me in that category, Zechariah and Elizabeth with righteous in God's eyes. That's pretty cool. Careful to obey all of the Lord's commandments and regulations. So our first two characters for today are Zechariah and Elizabeth. And the Bible says that they were godly. They were definitely committed believers. I mean, they're not just in word, but in action, right? Not just, because we, we all know people who say they're believers, but their lifestyle doesn't really show it. Zechariah and Elizabeth, man, they're the real deal, okay? They're not just showing up to church on Sunday and, you know, living a life that's totally different um, during the week than on, on, on Sunday. No, they're like, they are the real deal. And what you're going to find out here in a few minutes is that they had been enduring a long battle, a long trial, and you'll see it here in a second. Now, I just want to say this kind of a little bit of a side note. Just a, just a thought that you can just, you know, tag, you know, tug away 
for for later okay but i think it's important to say it's not the main emphasis of the message but i think it's just a a thought that i i think i uh, i need to mention sometimes sometimes bad things happen happen to the good guys just tuck that one away for a little bit okay and you'll 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 see why i'm saying that but sometimes you can be what was it righteous in god's eyes careful to observe all of the rules all of the regulations all of god's principles and what you're going to learn here in a minute what you're going to see is that sometimes bad things happen happen to the good guys and so what what is it that that zechariah and elizabeth what's their long trial what's what are they enduring well verse seven look at it it says they had no children because Elizabeth was unable to conceive. Now, if you've never had to deal with that, you may kind of just, you know, brush it over. You know, like, like it's not that big of a deal. You know, it's not that big of a trial. You should hear some of my trials. But when the times that I've talked to families who have had a really difficult time having kids, having, you know, building a family of their own, man, it is excruciating pain. It's emotionally draining and depleting. And so, um, especially in that culture, but it says they had no children because Elizabeth was unable to conceive, and they were both very, what? Very old. Now, in that culture, very superstitious kind of culture, if you did not have kids, it was a big deal. People would question, they would, they would gossip behind your back. They would talk about, you know, like what, what you had done, that, you know, not to have kids. You were looked down upon. You were a lower-class citizen if you couldn't have kids. And so they were saying, like, in the culture, this is just a, that part of what would happen. It's like, oh, do you hear? It's like Ryan and Elizabeth, they, you know, they're getting, they're getting up there in age, and they still haven't had any kids. I wonder what they did. I wonder what, I wonder what, in fact, it was generational. I wonder what their parents, what great sin their parents committed that they couldn't have kids. And so this was a big deal. And um, if you know what it's like to serve God faithfully for years with a broken heart, waiting on him to answer your deepest need, waiting on him to answer that request that you have, if you know what that feels like, like, man, you show up, you serve, you give, you feel like you're, you're faithful, but, like, your heart is broken, and you've been praying for years, and it just seems like, it just seems like God's nowhere there, like, I, nowhere to be found. If you know what that feels like, then let me tell you, this story is for you, okay? Zechariah, the Bible says, he was a Jewish priest, and what you're going to find out is that he's, he's serving in the temple, it's, it's his week to serve. You know, we have a lot of volunteers at our church, and sometimes we schedule them. You know, you have, you, you may volunteer once every other week or once a month. And so this week is, it's Zechariah's week to serve. It's his, his team is on this week, okay? And if you read the passage, you see that he's actually at the altar of incense, okay? Now, what's, your, what's the altar of incense? Well, I kind of put a picture up there for you. The altar of incense is this place where you burn... Um, incense and the incense it would just make the rest of the temple smell good okay it would just it's like perfume that would just spread all over the place and this actually came back from the old testament when god told the israelites they had left egypt remember they were in pursuit leaving slavery they were in pursuit to the promised land they were 
you know, going for freedom. And God basically asked them to set up a tent, okay? And in this big tent, we call it the tabernacle, he said, I want you to burn incense, okay? And it was just, it was just like, it would just smell like the, the, it would fill up. And the tabernacle is where God's presence was. And so the, the incense, it, it's sort of like, like a, a modern, have you ever seen those diffusers? Um, there, there you go. Like, you know, you put like what, essential oils or whatever, a couple of drops, and it just kind of permeates like throughout the room. Like, have you ever seen one of those? That's sort of what an altar of incense is. Now, what you need to know, the main thing that you need to know, is that incense all throughout the Bible, Old Testament, New Testament, represents prayer. All right? So what does, what does incense represent? Help me out. Prayer. prayer. Very good. Very good. But here's the thing. Zechariah and Elizabeth, they had been praying. They'd been praying inside the temple, serving faithfully. They'd been praying outside the temple. Prayer is what they were about. That's the area where he was helping. You know, we have a prayer team in our church. Well, Zechariah was in charge of taking care of the altar of incense, which represented prayer. Been praying for a while. Been praying that God would provide children. Their deepest need. But if you look at the Bible, it says, but that they, it says, but they were what? They were old. Their culture, the Bible says they were old. Their culture said they were expired. They were useless because you did not have kids. You know, like your life, you know, you're not, you're not worthy of anything. Not even God. You know, it was almost like a curse. And you need it like a miracle for this, for something to happen. And it was in their deepest need that they're going to learn that God was right there alongside the whole time. It was in their deepest need that God's going to teach them, hey, you're not alone. Even when bad things happen to the good guys, even in those moments when you're questioning why and you're wondering if he's hearing your prayers and you don't understand what's going on and it's, 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 it's the fog of war, even then you need to understand this principle um, that we're going to see here. So here's what happened. God sends one of his angels. Uh, his name is Gabriel, okay? One of his angels. He's, uh, if you know a little bit about Gabriel, Gabriel is one of the angels, one of the few angels that stands in the presence of God, the Bible says. The, uh, Gabriel is the one that spoke to Daniel in the Old Testament. In a couple of weeks, we're going to learn that God sends Gabriel to speak to Mary about Jesus. So, so he's not just sending just any average Joe. He's sending, he's like, like one of the highest ranking angels. He's sending them to Gabriel with a message. And the message is, don't lose hope. Right? Hang in there. I know you've been praying. I know you think, I've heard your cry. I know your request. And look at what happens. Look in, um, in verse 11. It says, well, Zechariah was in the sanctuary. An angel of the Lord appeared to him standing to the right of the incense altar. In other words, hope has arrived. Now, here's the, here's the thing about hope. Hope is a school kid waiting to get out of school, waiting for Christmas break. Remember those days? Remember when you were a kid and you could not wait till school was over? And it, like they put, they give you exams on like the last, like perfect torture, right? The last week, right before you go on, on Christmas break or summer break, they, they put you through the ringer, you know? 
That's what hope is like. It's a school kid uh, looking forward to uh, summer break or Christmas break. Hope is a joyful bride counting down the days to her wedding day. Have you ever met a, a bride that's preparing, that's getting ready to get married? Like they know the day, the hour, the minute that they're going to be right there getting married. That's what hope is like. Hope is what, what you and I need to get through life. It's our fuel. It's, it's fuel to our souls. It's what keeps us going. It's a, it's a powerful force. It's more than, it's more than just wishful thinking. It's, it's more than just a dream. Hope is a promise. And God comes to Zechariah and Elizabeth and says, comes with the, the promise of hope to them. And what I want you to know today is that this Christmas season, God's coming to you with the promise of hope. And whatever needs, whatever struggles you're having, whatever 2022 has looked like, God's coming to you this, this Christmas season. He's saying what Gabriel said to them, it's going to be okay. Just hang in there a little bit longer. Don't give up. Okay, and he's offering you the promise of hope. You know, hope is an interesting word. I looked it up this week, and um, I was having a hard time trying to cons like get all of this information in the Bible about hope and just put it into just a sweet like one little two verse. So I, I'm just I, I'm gonna I'm gonna show you. Don't even try to keep up. I'm gonna show you a, a few verses about hope. Okay, but just watch on the screen. Here's what Lamentations three twenty four says. I say to myself. The Lord is my portion. Say that word, portion. The Lord is my portion. Therefore, I will hope in him. You're wondering, like, what is that portion? Well, in the ancient times, you would leave, as a mom or a dad, you would leave an inheritance to your kids. Often that inheritance was a piece of land, a piece of real estate. That's what that word portion means. In other words, what God is saying is that the Lord is our, our inheritance, like he's our own limited resource. So listen, whatever your need is today, okay, he's greater than that need. And he can cover you, okay? That's why, that's why the, 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 the person that penned his words, he says, therefore I will hope in him. He's my eternal inheritance. He's my unlimited resource. Uh, Romans 8, 24. For we were saved, and for those of us who are believers, salvation is a big deal, right? For we were saved in this hope. Job eleven eighteen. you will be secure because there is, say it church, because there is hope. Psalm 9, 18, I love this one. But God will never forget the needy. You feel like there's a need in your life? God will never forget the needy. The hope of the afflicted will never, what? Perish. Lamentation 3.25, the Lord is good to those whose hope is in Him. To the ones who seek Him, it is good to wait quietly for the salvation of the Lord. I could give you verse after verse after, I mean, we could be here all day long talking about the hope, the promise of hope that God offers all of us. Let me give you three more. First uh, Timothy 6.17. Says this, teach those who are rich in this present world. Teach those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant. It's a good thing, right? Teach those who are rich not to be arrogant, nor to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, uncertain, but to put their hope in God, who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. 
Hebrews 6, 19, we have this hope as an anchor for the soul, firm and secure. I mean, have you had enough? Like, you want another one? Okay, let's, get, let's go. 1 Peter 1, 3. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In His great mercy, He's given us a new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Now, to the world, hope is nothing more than wishful thinking. Man, I wish it, does, I wish it, I, I, I hope it doesn't rain at the picnic, right? I hope my team wins today. Man, I really hope they win. Like, I hope I make it on time. But to the Christian, it's more than just a, a Christmas wish list. It's more than just wishful thinking in, in the face of adversity, in the face of the unknown, when you don't know like what God is doing, when you can't control. If you're a believer, hope, and if you want to, you can write this down. Uh, it's, it's, uh, to me, is a definition that, about hope that I learned years ago. Hope is a future certainty. So hope, a future certainty that is grounded in the present reality of God's faithfulness. What is hope? Hope is a future certainty. I am certain about my future. And that is grounded in the present reality of God's faithfulness. Because God has always been faithful in the present and in the past. You don't know, we don't know the future. But when we look back, we can say, you've always been faithful. And so that's what hope is. To the world, hope... To the world, hope is kind of like this. You guys, can you see what I'm holding in my hand? <laughs> so those of you in the back, and I kind of hold it still for the camera. Um... To the world, hope is like this. And some of you are kind of like, you're, you went from laughter to like, oh no, Pastor Alex, is that a lottery ticket? <laughs> you bought a lottery ticket? Um, well, let me just tell you that um, this is the second lottery ticket that I've ever bought in my life. The first one I bought, it It was for um, Leah's birthday, and it was kind of a joke. This is the first lottery ticket that I've ever bought for me, all right? Um, I'll let you know if I win, okay? Um, actually, I bought it for, for the illustration, okay? But to the world, hope is a lottery ticket. It's just a big gamble on luck. It's a big gamble on chance. But to the believer... To those of us who put our faith in Jesus, hope is more like a, let's say, a bus ticket, okay? And the ride at times may be challenging, at times it may be shaky, it may be a little longer than expected, you may see some turns that you were not, you know, ready for, but your bus driver, man, he always makes it to the final destination. My ticket says heaven, and I don't know, I don't know what you're going through today, but at the end of the day, I can tell you, your destination is secure. At the end of the day, Lord is in control of your life. Look at what Zechariah, look what the Bible says. We're almost done. It says, Zechariah, verse 12, Zechariah was shaken. Are you shaken? Zechariah was overwhelmed. Are you overwhelmed? And, and this is more, for more reasons than the angel, okay? Because I think, I think this was, 
This was, sometimes we fail to understand really what people are going through in life. Oh, they just couldn't have a baby. No, it wasn't just that. It was a lot more. It had to do with their identity. It had to do with their trust in, in this God who says, pray, serve, but then you don't, you don't, you know, what do I get from it, right? So it's not just the fact that they couldn't have babies. It was a debilitating issue that they were dealing with. It wasn't just anxiety, it wasn't just negative thinking. It wasn't just finances. It was, it was a lot more than that. In verse 13, what I love the story is, is 13, verse 13 says, But the angel said, the angel said, Don't be afraid, Zechariah. Listen to it. God has heard your prayers. Your wife Elizabeth will give you a son, and don't miss it, don't miss it, this is important, and you're going to name him, what's his name? John. John. Okay, what's the big deal, John? Okay, great, you know, so we know that name. This is John the Baptist. Remember John? This is not just any kid. Like, this is the, the guy that baptized Jesus. This is a guy that baptized the Savior of the world. And so it's not like you're going to have a, a, a kid. His name is going to be John. Okay, let's move on. Like, no, 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 no. Hello, hello, hello. Hey, 2,000 years from today, we're going to be talking about this guy. We're going to learn from him. We're going to study his name. And so I don't know about you, but if you're a mom and dad, and you can't have kids, so you can probably relate. And then if you all of a sudden an angel shows up, not just any average angel. This is Gabriel. This is the guy that stands in the presence of God. And he shows up, and he's like, you're going to have a son, and this is what's going to happen. I don't know about you, but that's a pretty cool thing, right? John the Baptist. He's going to be the guy that baptized the Savior of the world just a little um shameless plug we're gonna have baptisms on uh the 18th i want to challenge you take the plunge this christmas season okay if you're a believer let me just i'm gonna be a little bit bold here today if you're a jesus follower and you baptism is the first act of obedience hear me like if you say i am a jesus follower Biblically, the next step is baptism. Oh, I was baptized as a baby. I'm sorry, it doesn't count. Because when you were a baby, you were not, it's impossible for you to be a Jesus follower. You didn't know. I was baptized as a baby. Oh, I was baptized when I was 12 years old. Um, you know, I, you know, but I don't even know if I meant it because I did it because my friend did my, I, my, my mom wanted me to get baptized. Listen. There's nothing in the Bible that says you can't get baptized again. But if today, you as an adult, as a, a human being that can have, you know, you can think things through and you say, Jesus is my Lord and Savior, the very next step is baptism. And so I want to challenge you. Like, you're like, oh, Pastor, I have questions. Hey, listen, you, if you, this is such a big deal that if you text us, you know that number in front of your chairs, our, our church's number, 903 592 8357 if you text that number it goes to me and it goes to pastor nicholas do you want to have a one-on-one -on -one? we'll sit down and we'll talk to you a little bit more about what baptism is okay if you feel like god's telling you right now i'm ready i want to encourage you to sign up just pull out your phone before before the end of the day before the end of the service and just lifepointfc.com at the top is this baptism if you want to go straight through the link, you can just dash baptism, you know. 
So first act of obedience. Last verse, we'll move on. So the angel, kind of to wrap up, the angel comes. We've heard you all these years. You're not alone. You're going to have a son. It's not just going to be an average. Like he's going to be a special human being. It's going to be used by God. If you read the passage, he's going to rescue people from their sins. Holy cow. Verse 14. You will have great joy and gladness. And many people will rejoice at his birth. For he will be great, once again, in the eyes of the Lord. What is the lesson for us today? If you miss anything else, don't miss this, okay? Here's the, here's the kicker, all right? What do I learn from this? We're, we're not just talking about John the Baptist today, Zechariah and Elizabeth. It's, it's much greater than that, okay? Here's the lesson for us. Although there are times in life when God says, yes, immediately, you have to recognize that often God says, I got something better for you. And even though sometimes in your life you go through struggles and you go through needs and they're, they're a prayer request, they are prayer requests that I have had since I was 16 years old when I gave my life to Christ that have not been answered that I have not told anybody. And even though there are times when God says, yes, and it's immediate, and you enjoy the, because it's always nice, right, when God says yes. And even though he says yes immediately, you have to recognize that there are times when God says, I got something better, and you're going to have to wait a little bit. If I give this to you right now, it's going to hurt you, and I know what's best for you. My thoughts are not your thoughts. Your ways are not my ways. I'm much greater than you. And if you tell me that I'm sovereign, then you got to be a little bit more like Zechariah and Elizabeth and not give up, not lose hope, not just rely on the lottery ticket, but the promise of hope that God brings to us this Christmas season. So with heads bowed and eyes closed, a couple of questions. What's your greatest need right now? I want you to filter the message through your greatest need. Would you surrender that? What is your greatest need? Would you have, do you, can you think about it for a moment? Is it, is it locked in? You got it? Would you surrender it? Would you be a little bit more like Zechariah and Elizabeth? We, we see them being obedient. That was grit to be servant right there by the altar of incense, the thing that represents prayer, when all of these years I've been praying, and God, you haven't done a thing for me. That's what I call spiritual grit. They could have checked out. I probably would have checked out. I would have lost faith. Would you hang on to the promise of hope that Jesus is offering you today? Now I wonder, how many of you would say, Pastor, would you pray for me? I need a little bit of hope in my life. Would you raise your hand all over the room? Those of you watching all over the place, hands everywhere. Pastor, pray for me. I need a little hope. I need to be more like Zechariah and Elizabeth. Look this way real quick. Everybody look this way. 
We're going to wrap up. Um, I'm going to say a prayer. It's going to be a quick prayer. Um, and then I'm just going to kind of open this up while we do this last song. And then you remember like, like how preachers did back in the, the day, like an old-fashioned revival. They had like what they called altar calls. And it was like something like, you know, they really pushed that. We don't do that, okay, every week. But from time to time, kind of the Spirit of God leads me to just say, hey, just open this up. And it's just wood and, and, you know, carpet, you know, it's nothing more. But here's what I've learned in my life, that sometimes when I move, my heart follows. And so I'm going to pray. It's going to be a quick prayer, and I want to, let's all stand up real quick. Everybody stand up. So I'm going to pray, okay? Quick prayer. I'm going to say amen. And then I'm challenging you. If there is a prayer request in your life, I'm going to challenge you to just to come down. Why, Pastor? You know, can I not pray for me? Yeah, you can pray from wherever. But there's something that happens in our hearts. It's kind of like baptism, right? When we step forward, man, everything in our spirit, what are people gonna think? What are, you know, I'm not, I'm not, I don't like to be in the spotlight, you know, but there's something when we take that step and everything against us, and like we don't wanna do it. There's something that happens in our hearts. And our heart, our hearts go, okay. All right, if that's what you're doing, I'll follow. So we're going to pray, and then I want to challenge you. Just lay it at the altar. Father God, you've, you know our hearts. You've spoken today. Help us to be obedient and surrender whatever need, whatever our greatest need is. In Jesus' name, we pray. Amen. All right, you come. This is your time.